Welcome to Deal Closers with Annette Tali, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Tali. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Lee, and my guest today is Rachel Richards. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, Annette. Thank you so much for having me on. I am so happy to have you. So let me tell you a little bit about Rachel. She's so inspiring. Only 27-year-old former financial advisor, Rachel Richards, has made a name for herself in the personal finance realm. In 2019, Rachel quit her job and retired with over $10,000 per month in passive income. She is the best-selling author of Money Honey and Passive Income Aggressive Retirement. She has been featured on the Penny Hoarder and the New York Times and has been contracted to speak at colleges. Rachel is also a real estate investor with 35 rental units. Her valuable money lessons have helped thousands of millennials work with their work their way out of financial despair. She has successfully done what no one has done before, made the topic of money management fun, entertainment, and simple. Ooh, I love that, Rachel. (laughs) Thank you. So tell me, how did you get into real estate? So real estate investing is something I'd always been interested in doing. I was totally a nerd in middle school and high school, so I was always reading books about it. And to me, it was one of the best ways to build long-term wealth. So I always wanted to do it from a young age. And then finally, um, I met my husband, who was then my boyfriend, actually, and we started looking at different properties together. Um, We both kind of put our savings together to buy our first property, and that was in 2017. And then over the next few years, we just kept acquiring more and more properties. And now we own over 35 rental units in Kentucky. Amazing. Amazing. I wish I started earlier. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what everyone says. I do too. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to find a way to to get my kids interested into in it like early, so that they wanna you know continue this. Yeah. The deal. All right. So let's talk about the deal. What deal are we gonna talk about today? We're gonna talk about my fair, very first deal, which is a duplex that we bought in 2017. Perfect. All right. So what type of uh, asset and the location? So it was a duplex, so two units in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Awesome. I hear a lot about Louisville. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a great city. We actually just moved away. We're in Colorado now, but Louisville's pretty fun. And the best part of, or one of the best parts about it is that it's a great place to invest because the cost of living is low. You know, there's a really great housing market. It's in the Midwest. So all around a really great place to buy rental properties. Excellent. All right. So how did you find it? I, so I'm a licensed real estate agent as well. I, I don't have my license to help people buy properties, but as I was learning more about real estate and wanting to invest myself, I got my license for myself so I could see properties easily and make my own buyer's agent commission. So I started just by looking on the MLS, which a lot of people you know think is really competitive and saturated, and it definitely can be, but I was looking at some of the expired and canceled listings, um, you know, so listings that weren't active, and there was this one duplex that I saw in this great area in Louisville in Germantown and I messaged the agent and I was like hey what's you know what's the story why is this expired what's going on and she said well 
it's expired right now. You know, the seller's going to be doing some work, but we're going to put it back on the market in a few months. And so then I basically emailed her once a week being like, hey, I just want you to know I'm still interested. You know, I think people might be afraid to do that because they might be worried they're going to bother or pester somebody. But I don't see it that way. And she didn't either. I just wanted to stay top of mind and let her know, hey, I haven't forgotten about this. You know, please reach out to me first when the deal goes back on the market. And that's exactly what she did. So it's a really good thing that I was persistent the way I was right before they were going to relist that deal she emailed me first actually and she let me put an offer in before they even put the property back on the market so I got really lucky with that put in an offer and they accepted and that's how we got started that's amazing and that's one of my tricks as well people ask me where do I get my listings and all of them were on the MLS but it was like the same thing I would follow stuff that wouldn't close and just wait and wait and wait. Why is it not close? If it didn't close in a month, I would start watching it. And then, you know, that's like my third property. That's how I got it. You know, it went right on the market. And the next day I was there looking at it with my realtor and we put an offer right away. So that's excellent. All right. So what was the listing price? It was 100000 It was, I think, right around 100000 when we bought it. Next. So 50 per unit. Per unit. And how uh -huh. much was the rent? Per unit. So one unit was totally unlivable. There, it was vacant. No one was there. And then the other unit was renting for maybe six hundred a month when we bought it. Um, but it was really great because we bought it. We renovated the one side. The other side was way under rented. I knew we could get in there, and, and once his lease was over, we could rent it for at least seven hundred. So once we had people in both sides we were renting it for at least $700 per unit and our cash flow was something like $500 in profit right off the bat. So we were already starting from a really great place. Awesome. Yeah, that's really good. You know, you bought it for a hundred and it was cash flowing 1400. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So how did you pay for it and how did you negotiate the deal? Did you get any negotiation or once they listed it, you were ready to buy? Yeah, so we I paid for it. My husband and I put our savings together. So I had actually worked my way through college. I paid my way through school selling Cutco cutlery. I don't know if you've heard of Cutco <laughs> knives, but that's what I did. I was doing that sales job and I paid my way through school. I didn't have any help from my parents. So I graduated without debt, which was great. That set me off on the right foot. And then I I've always been really frugal about saving. So even when I was making $32,000 out of college in my first job, I was still saving 50% of my income. So I've just always been really frugal and um, really good at managing my money. And then my husband is a veteran. So he actually used his military benefits to pay for his school. So he also did not graduate with debt. So we both just pooled our money together. We both said, hey, let's put $10,000 in. And that's basically the amount of money we needed because we just needed a $20,000 down payment to buy the house. Now, one thing we negotiated with the seller, because the deal actually fell through at some point and I didn't think it was going to work out. And then a few months later, they were like, hey, are you still interested? We're willing to work with you. So, um, so that's a good lesson is, you know, don't be desperate. Don't try to make a deal happen if it's not going to, you know, don't settle for anything. Because if I had, I would have gotten a lot less favorable terms if I had, you know, done everything they'd asked for the first round. But then they came back to me a few months later. They were like, hey, do you still want to do this? Because we will give you a concession. Um, my worry was that this one side of the unit had so much damage and the foundation was low and there was just a lot that was going to need to happen. And I didn't know how, if we had enough money to put into it to afford it. So I negotiated and 
the lenders are a lot more strict about sellers concessions now so it's probably not as doable now but they gave us like a ton like thousands of dollars as a seller's concession so that we could go in and fix that unit immediately so that was a really great negotiation and it's why it's still probably the best deal that we'll have ever done <laughs> amazing yeah it's and it, you know it doesn't hurt to ask you know like if they can give you the concessions um and they yeah. can to you exactly awesome so it was financed with 20 percent all right. Yeah. And so what type of, this is a residential um, property. So you just got a regular loan. Uh, yeah, we did a 30-year conventional fixed mortgage. Okay, perfect. So what's the exit strategy for, for this property? So we just moved to Colorado. So, you know, sometimes we think about selling all of our properties in Kentucky and then maybe reinvesting in a really big complex out here just so everything's in one place and we can streamline it. But um, that's probably not going to happen for a few years. And I probably would get rid of the other properties before I got rid of the duplex because it's such a great investment. I think the ROI on it is something like 20%. Um, so right now, you know, everything's great. It's in really good condition. We have tenants that are all paying rent on time. So for the meantime, we will probably just hold on to it and rent it for as long as we can. Amazing. So how much money did you end up putting in that unit that you had to renovate? I think it was somewhere about $17,000. Um, but the seller's concession offset most of that. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. So it really kind of lowered the price and your end yes. price was around 100000 Yes. All in. Mm -hmm. And what was the reason they were selling it? You know, I can't, I can't even remember. It might have been, um, I think maybe it was just this really big property management company and they wanted to sell all these tiny little single family and duplex houses that they had and focus on bigger projects. I think that's what happened. Excellent. All right. That's awesome. All right. So I want to ask you now to share with my audience um, a productivity hack that you use to get where you are now, something that made a big difference in your investing career. Yeah, here's what I would say. This is a big lesson that I've learned over time. Um, you know, I feel like when you start out as an investor or an entrepreneur or a business owner, people tell you, you need to say yes to every opportunity that comes your way. You know, always look for opportunities, do as much as you can. And I think that's totally true when you're starting out, but you definitely get to the point where if you continue to say yes to every opportunity, that can really actually hurt you because you have to be protective of your time. And you'll get to a point where you have so many opportunities com coming your way that you couldn't possibly say yes to all of them. And you know, when I was starting out as a real estate investor, the more you get into it, the more you have deals coming your way. And same thing with being an entrepreneur, you don't possibly have time to, or money to invest in every single one of them. So it really becomes, okay, how can I be strategic? Like which opportunities am I going to say yes to? And more importantly, which opportunities am I going to say no to? And I think when you focus like that, you're going to, your money and your time are going to go a lot further. Absolutely. That is awesome. And, and I'm seeing that a little bit in myself that I have to make sure that I focus on the things that I want to do and not on every single thing that shows my way. You know, like I, I don't do flips normally, but there was this house across the street from one of my duplexes and it was a flip. And I'm like, we could do that one. I'm like, no, 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 no. Focus, focus, focus. I'm <laughs> doing something else. <laughs> yes, I always have like 50 ideas in my head and I know I can't do all of them. And I, there's that quote I always think of and it's like, if you say yes to everybody else's request, then your calendar is going to fill up with everyone else's priorities and not your own. 
Absolutely. So, you know, on, on your bio, we read that you were financially free at uh, age 27. So what does that mean for people that don't know the concept of financial free? Uh, what does it mean for you? So for me, financially free means that money is not constraining me anymore. So I have enough money that I can basically work when, where, and if I want. I can work if I want. I can be anywhere I want to be because I'm not tied down to a specific location. Um, the way I've achieved financial freedom is through passive income. You know, a lot of other people, they'll save this huge amount of money and then they'll retire and they'll live off of that. And that's another way to achieve financial freedom. But to me, I thought that building passive income was more attainable. And passive income is money that is earned with little to no ongoing work. Now, it's no get-rich-quick scheme. It does take time or money to create. And, you know, rental income is the perfect example of passive income. I always tell people too, you know, you have to build in the expense of having a property manager because none of us want to quit our jobs to become a full-time landlord, or at least that's not what I wanted to do. So if you really want it to be passive, you have to have that property manager expense built in from the beginning. But I had this epiphany that once your passive income exceeds your living expenses, you're financially free. You can quit your job. You can do whatever you want to do. So that's what my husband and I started working towards. And that's what we achieved by last year. We had created $10,000 per month in passive income and I quit my job. Amazing. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people would like, like to have. Even if they like their job, they would like to be able to work when they want and, and not be dependent on that W2 job. So, you know, like you said, rental income is a perfect example of how to achieve that. And I was just having that conversation with somebody today uh, about when you calculate the numbers, you need to include the, the management fee, even if you don't, even if you manage it by yourself, because you want to be able in the future uh, to not do it and still the, for the numbers to work. So, exactly. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that new investors make is not calculating all the expenses, you know, because it's really easy for someone to think, oh, well, my rental income is this and my mortgage payment is this. So here's how much I'm going to make. But in reality, there's so many different expenses involved. You know, you have to account for a property manager, HOA fees, pest control, lawn care, repairs and maintenance, capital expenditures, vacancy. So there's all these different numbers you need to account for. And as long as you can do that the right way and be conservative, then you're going to make as much as if not more than what you projected. Absolutely. And if you want to learn how to um, calculate these expenses, I have a free calculator on my website, taliinvestments.com. You can download it for free and you can, and I do actually workshops and teach people how to use my calculator because I was having a lot of trouble doing it when I started. So I kind of created this calculator based on my experiences and, and I, I still use it. Like I, every time that I get a, a, a property, if it passes the 1% rule, then I, I put it in my calculator and make sure that all the expenses are covered. Nice, right, that's so smart. So expert tips. This is the time now that we're going to talk about the three expert tips. And Rachel is going to share with us three expert tips on building passive income. Yeah, so the first thing that I would say is there's this idea, I think, that having a 
W-2 job, you know, being an employee full-time is this really safe and secure thing. And you have income stability and you have job security and so forth. I disagree with that because if you are 100% dependent on a single source of income, then what happens if that source of income goes away? What happens if your hours get reduced or you get fired or you get laid off, you know? When you look at it that way, it's not as safe and secure as you might think. So I like to talk about this concept of income diversification, you know, making sure you can have multiple sources of income. And that's where passive income comes into the picture because I would much rather have 10 different $10,000 sources of income than one $100,000 source of income, right? Because if one of those $10,000 streams goes away, I'm still making 90 grand. And that's the beautiful thing about having different income streams. For example, right now with my rental income, we're in the middle of coronavirus. Not all my tenants have been able to pay rent. It has been significantly impacted, but I'm not in a panic and I'm not acting out of desperation in any way because I have all these different income streams coming in. I have my book royalties and my course and my merch business. So there's a lot of different things going on. So I think the first thing, the first tip I have is to kind of wrap your head around that idea of, hey, how can I dive diversify my income and really protect myself financially. The second thing I would say when it comes to passive income is, like I said, it does take time or money to create. So the first step in thinking about this is asking yourself, do I have more time or do I have more money? And if you had asked me that a few years ago, I would have said, well, I have neither. <laughs> so the next question to ask yourself is, okay, well, which one would be easier to create? Would it be easier for me to create more money or to free up additional time? And that's where you begin. Um, for example, portfolio income is an example of passive income that takes a ton of money, but not really a ton of time. Rental income probably takes both. Doing something like I did in self-publishing a book, that takes a ton of time and really not a lot of money, which in my opinion makes it a little, a little more attainable for people. So I would say to start there. And then the third tip I would give people is really be diligent about educating yourself before you do anything. So there's another myth that I don't, <laughs> that I don't agree with, and it's I hate this advice. I hate when people say, quit your job and take a leap of faith and the net will appear. Okay. No, don't do that. That's irresponsible and that's reckless. You know, have an exit plan, have a strategy. When I was working towards financial freedom, my husband and I were working full-time, full-time jobs. So we were working 40, 50 hours per week. We were investing in rental properties and looking at rental properties on the weekend. And I was writing my book in the evenings. So all in for probably two years straight, we were working 80 hour weeks and we were absolutely exhausted. But the great thing about that is by the time I quit my job, I had fully replaced my full-time income. Because again, you don't want to quit your job and then have to act out of desperation to try to generate money. You don't want that kind of pressure on yourself or on your business. So don't do that. You know, go about things responsibly, have an exit strategy and try to offset some of your income before you quit your job. Absolutely. I totally agree. I was just reading a book, Pitch Anything. And he was talking about that when, when you are pitching and you're desperate and you're a needy person, nobody wants to give you money. So yeah, don't be like, desperate. <laughs> exactly. It makes me think of, you know, what, like when you're in middle school and you have a crush on somebody and all you want to do is text them all the time and talk to them and cling to them and stuff. And, you know, everyone says, you know, don't smother them, you know, just play cool and you'll attract them to you. It's the same thing with money. You don't want to be acting out of that desperation mindset. 
<laughs> Rachel, you just gave me your, your age away and made me feel so old because in my times there was no texting. <laughs> <laughs> <Too funny. laughs> It was such a nice time talking to you today. So tell me uh, about your book and I think you have a free uh, giveaway and where can people find you uh, on the social media Yes, thank you. So my books are both available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audiobook. They're called Money Honey and Passive Income Aggressive Retirement. And Annette, what I will do for your listeners is offer them my free passive income starter kit. And this gives you, you know, three deadly mistakes to avoid. This helps you figure out which passive income stream to pursue first. And then it has lots of great free resources and tools. So you can download that at www.moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus love it love it love it you know what started my journey uh, into real estate was a long time ago um, I was reading some books about financial freedom I, I think it was uh, women and money from Zeus Orman and it just started to get that those ideas in my head that I ne didn't necessarily execute right away but it got me into the right path of uh, thinking you know outside the box and not just depending on, on one income And, and so I love what you are giving away. I will definitely download it. Uh, I am trying to build my different streams of income. I already, you know, have the rentals, but um, like you said, you need to have di diversify as much as possible so that you don't depend on just the one thing. And uh, real estate came for us, for my husband and I were both architects. And when we had the recession in 2008, we were both affected. Both our incomes were affected by, by the recession. So th that's when we decided we got to act now and we cannot have all our eggs in one basket. And exactly. so that's what, that's what uh, prompted us to start in, uh, in real estate. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. All right, Rachel, thank you so much for being with us and for giving so much important information for my audience. And if you are enjoying this podcast and you are getting information and you are learning something new, please subscribe. Uh, we have the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, and you can also watch it on YouTube. And I will include the links on, on, the, on the show notes. Thank you so much for watching. Bye. This was Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.